Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. This message series, Christmas with Captain Hook, it has been a Christmas journey back into childlike faith. A time when, when, when our belief was pure and simple and uncomplicated. There's a verse in the Gospel of Matthew where uh, there are some parents trying to bring their children to Jesus. They're trying to ble- have Jesus bless the kids. And the disciples are like, no, 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 no. The rabbi is very busy. You can't get to him. You can't get, you know, you know got to make an appointment. And Jesus corrects them. As they scold the parents, Jesus scolds them and says, don't do that. Let the kids come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Which is to say, people with faith that is pure and simple and uncomplicated. Regrettably, we have a way of making things way more complicated than we need to be. Let's do a little self-awareness check here. Anybody here have a tendency to make things way more complicated than they need to be? Anybody? A few of you? A couple of you. Not that many. Okay, just because you might not be self-aware, how many of you are sitting next to somebody who makes things way more complicated than they, yeah, better? Yeah. Man, the ride home is going to be really fun for some of you. It's exciting. Okay, so the idea is we tend to make things much more complicated than they need to be. And as a result, we all experience Christmas a little differently. We all experience this season in different ways. So for some of you, uh, you know, there's a, there's a percentage of you, you're psyched, right? Because you can't get enough of Christmas. You started playing Christmas songs in August, and your Christmas lights went up the day after Halloween, and you are the human incarnation of Buddy the Elf. That's you. And you've been on everybody's nerves for months. That, and that, if that's you, God bless you. I'm so glad you're enjoying Christmas. That's great. Any of you need to work out your frustrations, you know where that is. Okay, so... I I can't even see who that was clapping, but yeah. So um, if that's you, that's awesome. Others of us, it's cultural. You know, it kind of takes over culture, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, The lights are pretty and the music is pleasant. The cookies are delicious, you know. Uh, It's nice to see family. Everybody likes presents. Everybody wins. That's enough. And there's another percentage of you for whom there is a religious component to this, a spiritual component. And even if you wouldn't self-identify as a Christian, I'll bet there was a time in your life, if it isn't now, there was a time in your life when you understood that this time of year has a spiritual component to it. That there's something about this time of year that draws us back to something. It, It makes us not just nostalgic, but longs for a time when things were pure and simple and uncomplicated. But we make it more difficult than it needs to be. And there's a percentage of you here tonight. There's some of you guys here in the building tonight. You're avoiding that whole topic because you think maybe God's angry with you. You haven't thought about God in a very, very long time because you think God's ticked at you or God's deeply disappointed in you. Or maybe you've just seen so much horrible stuff in your life and experienced so much difficulty in your life that you're no longer sure that he's even real. And you're in church tonight because it's Christmas or your mom made you or you lost a bet or you're one of my friends from my neighborhood or something like that. (laughs) Really cool, cool news tonight. God didn't come to shame you. He didn't come to bring guilt and to heap difficulty on you. He came to remind you 
of who you are and whose you are. Because underneath the calluses and the scar tissue that this world has created on your heart, underneath the pain and the horror and the difficulty that you have witnessed and experienced, beyond the cynicism, there beats a heart that God made. A heart that knows who it is. You belong to Him. You're His. Here's something you probably never pondered. In that verse in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says, let the children come to me. He's talking about you. He means you. Because you thought little ones. In your mind, you went to little kids. You thought toddlers and little ones coming to Jesus. That's, But you're God's beloved son. You're God's beloved daughter. That's you he's inviting in. The trouble is we've forgotten who we are and we've forgotten whose we are. And our life has become so complicated, so busy, and and we're so far from that time when things were pure and simple and uncomplicated that now it's hard to find our way back. Our guide for this little narrative has been Peter Pan. And in the film, Peter's all grown up. He moved to America. He became an attorney. He's back in London now. And oh, horror of horrors, he's in his 40s terrible thing to be in your 40s and when we've talked over the last few weeks when we forget who we are precious things get stolen from us peter pan has forgotten who he is and his children have been kidnapped and there's only one hope for him only one way for him to save his kids he's going to have to remember who he is and as we promised we're going to replay the clip we showed you as we began this series And for those of you who are new, you'll kind of get an idea of uh, where we're headed with this. We're going to lower the lights. Take a look. Hand me my book, please. It's time to tell you at last. Tell me what? How far back can you remember, Peter? I remember the hospital on Great Ormond Street. You work with orphans. You taught me to read. You arranged for the adoption by my American parents, Hank and Jane Banny. You were 12, nearly 13. I mean, before that. There was nothing before that. Try, Peter. Do try. Nothing. You know, when I was young, No other girl held your favor the way I did. I half expected you to alight on the church and forbid my vows on my wedding day. I wore a pink satin sash. But you didn't come. Grandma? Yes, I, I was an old lady when I wrapped you in blankets. A grandmother. My 13-year-old granddaughter asleep in the bed, Moira. And when you saw her, that was when you decided not to go back to Neverland. Where? To Never Neverland. 
Maura! Grant, I'm going to go get Maura. Gee, I've tried to tell you so many times. Give us a cup of tea's ready. Can I knew you would have forgotten. Listen, I'm, I'm not ready to now deal I with this must, right now. Peter. What? The stories are true. I swear to you. I swear on everything I adore. And now he's come back to seek his revenge. The fight isn't over for Captain James Hook. He, he wants you back. He knows you'll follow Maggie and Jack to the ends of the earth and beyond. And by heaven, you must find a way. Only you can save your children. Somehow, you must go back. You must make yourself remember. Remember what? Peter, don't you know who you are? This question, don't you know who you are? It's huge. Guys, it's the whole shooting match. It's your identity that you've forgotten along the way. You've forgotten to whom you belong. You're his, his beloved son, his beloved daughter, and life has taken you so far afield that you forgot. Because now you're in your 40s or your 30s or your 50s or wherever you find yourself tonight. And you're so far from that place when things were simple and pure and uncomplicated. And you've experienced so much pain and there's been so much difficulty. And it's, it's just messed it all up. Tonight, we're almost there, right? Two sleeps till Christmas. Tonight is the perfect night, 48 hours out, to ask yourself, what have I become? Who have I become? Because some of you tonight, you never meant to become the person that you are tonight. Somehow you just slid into it. And without paying attention, your life became about acquisition and entertainment and what you could gain for yourself. And you forgot to be a blessing to the world around you. You forgot to play the part that God gave you to play in his amazing story. Because it got complicated. And now you're here tonight and you're a million miles away and, and you just forgot what it's all about and what he came for. These words are from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared around them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. 
joy. He comes to bring joy. He doesn't come to bring guilt. He doesn't come to heap shame upon you. He doesn't come to to point out all the faults and remind you of what a terrible disappointment you are. He doesn't come to remind you of what you deserve. This if you if you come to church here for any length of time, you'll learn that my favorite passage in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. It's a story that Jesus tells, and it's a parable, which means it's fictitious. The people in it are not real. He tells it to to illustrate a point. In the story, there's a boy who breaks his father's heart. He takes half of the family fortune, which is considerable. He takes half of the family fortune and goes on an epic bender. Just go, like, if, it, if the story took place in modern times, he'd be in Vegas in a high roller suite, like making it rain, you know, bottle service and just, just drugs and, 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 and booze and women and the whole, just, just debauchery to the nth degree. That is what happens in the story. And then, I mean, he's got plenty of friends until the money runs out, but when the money runs out, he finds himself homeless and he's hungry and he's on the street. And he knows he can't go back to his father and be a son anymore. The son, father, son thing is obviously broken to him. But maybe dad will take him back and let him just work on the farm like a hired hand because even the help is doing better than he is right now. So he comes crawling back. Now Jesus tells this story to a first century audience who is rooting for the father. Jesus tells this story in the story, and be clear about this, the kid is the villain. This boy is the bad guy in the story. He's done wrong. He's wasted his father's money. He has impoverished the entire family. He's broken his father's heart, and now he wants to come home. Everybody in the original audience and anybody who reads this story with new eyes is waiting for the father in this illustration to run to the edge of the property, slap him in the face, and send him off. And, 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 and everybody was expecting the parable to end like this and the boy went away and lived with the shame of what he did for the rest of his life so don't do that don't be like the boy that would be a clean morality tale that would be an easy ending to the story that's what everybody was expecting for the father to stand up for himself he had clearly been taken advantage of and that's not what jesus says in this just mind-blowing illustration the father in the passage runs to meet the boy and as he begins to apologize the father just wraps him up in a hug and he doesn't even let him apologize he doesn't even give it out the father's just it's okay you've come home i know what you did but what you did doesn't define who you are You are not defined by what you did. You're not defined by your worst moments. What you did doesn't change who you are, and what you did doesn't change whose you are. You belong to him. The kids that follow Peter Pan around in Neverland, they're called the Lost Boys. Any Lost Boys here tonight? Lost Girls? Anybody want to answer their phone? Great, thank you. Um, Maybe it's God. It's Christmas. Sorry, anyway. If you're in the front row and your phone goes off, you're getting blown up. That's how we roll. Anyway, um, what you've done doesn't define whose you are. The kids that follow Peter Pan around, they're the lost boys, right? Some of you, you've been lost for a while. It's time to come back. Time to come home. 
You remember Ernest Hemingway and Paco? For those of you, maybe you weren't here for the, 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 that, that week. Before Ernest Hemingway was a novelist, a well-known novelist, he was a war correspondent. He was covering the Spanish Civil War. And as was his habit, he was in a cafe one morning uh, smoking a cigar and uh, sipping on a coffee and reading a newspaper because that's how Ernest Hemingway rolls. And comes across something in the personals section. And it says this. Paco, meet me tomorrow at noon in front of the Grand Hotel. It's time for you to come home. All is forgiven. Papa. Hemingway reads this and says, wow. This is going to be dramatic. There's a story there. Maybe I'll show up. Maybe I'll watch. And maybe like I'll find out what happened. I'll interview the father. And, you know, maybe I'll get a story out of it. Because he's a journalist and that's what journalists do. So the next day, Hemingway parks himself on a bench in front of the plaza, in front of the Grand Hotel in the city center. And he waits. He gets there early and starts to survey the crowd. He's looking for a boy who might be Paco. And he's looking for an older man who might be Papa. And he's watching to see what happens, to see if he can witness the reunion. And what happened marked him and wounded him deeply. More than 50 boys named Paco showed up hoping it was their father who placed the advertisement. So deep was their desire to be reunited. So deep was their desire to come home. Some of you have been far away for a long time. God still knows your name. You're still his Where you've been and what you've done doesn't change who you are and whose you are. He came at Christmas to remind you of that and to call you back into a deep relationship with him. Don't let the craziness of this season, the busyness of life, the scar tissue around your heart or any other thing keep you from living out your identity as God's beloved son or daughter. I want that to be true in my life, and I want that to be true in all of our lives. With that, we're going to close up, and let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to gather in your house and to hear from your word that somehow you're calling us back into a relationship with you. However far away we've been, whatever we've done, this amazing reminder that our actions don't define us, that we're not defined by our worst moments, that who we are goes beyond that, that as your beloved sons and daughters, we've got a part in an amazing story to live out. So we're asking, Father, create faith within us to believe that, to return, to fight our way back to a place where it was pure and simple and uncomplicated. And for those who've never known that, Father, maybe to find it for the first time. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. 
Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.